Unlock the past and safeguard your memories with ScanMyPhotos.com. Here's our special promo code, GoDigital, to get a whopping up to 50% off your photo scanning order. Don't let your cherished moments fade away. Digitize them now with precision and care. Whether it's old slides, photos, or films, bring them into the digital age and relive those precious memories. This is an affiliate promotion, meaning we may earn a commission if you take advantage of this fantastic deal. Act fast, preserve your history, and save big with Go Digital at ScanMyPhotos.com. Hi, I'm Maureen Taylor, the photo detective. I really love family photographs, all of them. From the mystery images you find in shoeboxes and albums, to the pictures you snap with your digital devices. No mystery is too small. A simple question about an image can lead to new stories of your ancestors. This means you can count on me to help you identify the people in them, offer solutions for preserving and organizing them, and yes, even guide you in the various ways to gather and share picture stories with your relatives. My guest today is Daniel Pat, and Daniel Pat has this amazing project using facial recognition that we're going to talk about today. But Daniel, tell us something about yourself. Sure. So I'm a software engineer at Google, and in my spare time on evenings and weekends, I've been developing this AI platform called From Numbers to Names. And the main goal has been to kind of connect Holocaust descendants to photos of their loved ones that they may have never seen before. It's a pretty cool project. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's something that, you know, I got started on about six years ago. The original idea was from, you know, visiting this museum in Poland with my wife and just seeing all these photos throughout the museum and just thinking, am I potentially looking at family members without even realizing it? And so I was just sort of, that really stuck with me after the visit. And I just thought, is there something with technology that could be done to kind of like, you know, maybe connect people who are alive today with these photos that are in museums throughout the world. So that was sort of how it, yeah, how it all started. Yeah, it's amazing. I have lectured at the International Jewish Genealogical Society conference and people bring photographs and all these projects to try to reconnect living family with lost relatives and I've always been fascinated by it, of course, because what I do is the photo detective, but this is a whole nother level. This numbers to names.org website, it's pretty easy. You've made this so simple. You go in and you select a photo and you select a photo from your database and mm-hmm. then it runs an automatic search of, so what do you have here? 171,000 plus faces from 34,000 photographs. And then it gives you a sort of estimate of how it matches. Now, I I don't have anyone in the Holocaust and I did test it and it came up with a few sort of matches. But what it's really cool is that when you have a photo, when you have a a sort of match, I think I came up at 60% for most of them. It wasn't a very good photo I chose to to compare with. I'm going to give you that right there. But then it says more information and you click on it and it shows you the whole photo and the museum it came from. I mean, Daniel, this is a very complex project. 
that you have put together. Yeah, thank you. And I, I definitely, you know, in a way, I had actually started thinking, let's say, for example, I had like photos of my own family that I was trying to use to find other photos of them. And in fact, like, so we actually have some like sort of unsolved mysteries and like questions about what happened to certain members of our family. And so when I originally started the project, I was really trying to keep it in a way I was trying to keep it actually very simple and straightforward where you just like, I actually hadn't even built the website. I had just kind of done this for, with my own family pictures. And I was just like, basically searching through all these museum photos with the same set of pictures that I had over and over again and trying to add more photos to the to the collection to kind of see if that would help find pictures of my own family. And then I just thought I'm doing all of them and spending a lot of time on this to kind of help sort of solve my own sort of family mysteries. But there's probably other people out there who would want to do the same thing. And that's when it kind of really developed into something much more much more like elaborate, I guess you could say. And and there's a lot of complexity to it. And there's also aspects of it, which are like kind of behind the scenes, which, so for example, uh, you mentioned the 34,000 photos and the 171,000 faces. So that's actually, if people upload a photo to the website right now, they'll, they'll be able to search through that collection, like within seconds. And it's really, it's really fast. And it's a good way to kind of see what the whole sort of search process looks like. But we have a separate experience where you can create like basically your own sort of family photo album. And if you like sign in on this, it's sort of buried, but it's on the menu in the upper right hand corner of the, the main homepage. If you create this account, which is free and you upload basically pictures of your family, what we do is every single night we'll actually search through millions of faces across that half million photo collection set. And so there's a much larger search. It's also, it's more time consuming and we generally tell people it's about 24 hours before the results are ready. But then what happens is you also get the results saved like so sort of your account. And so as we add more and more photos, you don't have to keep searching on your own. We'll just kind of improve the results over time. All right. So where do all these photographs come from? That's a great question. They started coming from the museum in Washington, D.C., the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. And over time, we've added a huge percentage of the collection from Yad Vashem in Israel. And now we actually have other smaller museums where we've been collecting photos from. <laughs> the most recent one that we're working on is there's a museum in California that we're in close contact with, and they have a lot of photos that they're making available to us. And yeah, so it's, it's really basically museum collections throughout the world. Do you envision ever opening this up so someone could upload images of their family for others to search amongst their family collections? Yeah, that's that has it that has come up and it, it's something that we are looking into. I would say one of the key things that we're really trying to be sensitive about is is moderation. So, you know, content moderation. So For example, if someone uploads a picture, you know, of their own family member and they search all these museum photos, that's totally something, you know, we, we, you know, we feel like is is perfectly fine to do. And we're not, we're not really concerned about, I mean, of course, there could be really graphic disturbing images and really, you know, some very sad sort of discoveries that could be made, but that's because of the nature of the collection. If we were to allow users to kind of search across other users' photos, that's one thing where we're concerned about where maybe there's something that's potentially inappropriate or there's something around moderation that we just need to be really sure we do it correctly. So that we are working on that. It's just that we're looking to actually have some even more human involvement to make sure that that's, it's totally a good experience for everybody. And all of these photographs, 
that are at these museums, are there names on any of them? Are they completely unidentified? So if you get a match, you can't go to the photo and then say, oh, yes, that's a match because it's the same person as in my family? So that's really interesting. There's actually a, there's two aspects to that. One is that like, so with some quick calculations that we've done, we'd estimate that probably the majority of the faces in these photos are unidentified, you know, at least, so at least 50% of the the faces in all of these pictures have no names associated with them. And that is unfortunate. And that's something we are actually trying to solve using a different technique where in some cases there's the same person appears in multiple photos and in one photo they're identified, but in the others they're not. And so we are trying to kind of basically take the identification from one photo and apply it to others. So that's something, that's one thing. But then separately, yes, there are ways of kind of saying, you know, this actually is so-and-so because of the circumstantial evidence of, around the photo, like the, or the, I should say the metadata, you know, like, for example, the dates are line up with what we would expect for our family mm-hmm. member and location. It's like in this part of France. And that's one way of saying, I know who my grandfather was, and I know that this photo looks a lot like him. And also all of the other photo metadata around this photo really lines up with my grandfather's story that I'm aware of. So probably it is him. All right. But it's still tricky, right? I mean, facial recognition is still tricky. It's not a hundred percent. It's, I don't know what it is now. It's been awful in the past with people saying it was great. So (laughs) as a Google engineer, and I'm assuming this is built with some Google AI tools. Yeah. So I should mention that the project is definitely very separate from the work I do at Google. It's, this is something I've kind of just done on the weekends and evenings. And so I actually, a lot of what we've built as a team that is really kind of like a, a sort of homegrown solution for this problem. So we use some other AI models that existed before and adapted them for this project. And so that's kind of one thing that we're actually trying to improve is that like, and generally speaking, to your point, absolutely, there's facial recognition. It, it really could be, you know, surprisingly good in some cases. And then there's definitely instances where it's like, oh, I can completely see it's falling apart when, let's say, for example, there's somebody with like a hat or they're wearing glasses and it could be confused actually quite easily by these other artifacts. And so that's something that we're trying to address, but doing that kind of using the sort of techniques that we're developing ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And then people look like other people. Absolutely. And that's a really, that's something that's been like a really interesting part of this project where there's people who have like, they look like they could be, you know, siblings. In some cases they are. So we've actually found somebody who matches with a a different gender. So like a picture of a boy matches with a picture of a girl. And it does actually turn out that these two people are siblings. Okay. So let's go through the process. No, I'm not trying to be skeptical (laughs) because I love this idea. It's just that I deal with a lot of people and where the facial recognition stuff goes awry. (laughs) Oh, yeah. For sure. And and that's something that, in fact, regarding the actual design of the whole site, one reason why we actually take a very light touch to the entire search experience, which is to say, like, we don't we don't really make any assertions about about matches. We leave it extremely open ended. That's why, like on the search results page, you might find that there's these scores listed like 0.67. And it's a little bit vague in terms of what this all means. And and that's, but actually it's sort of intentional because what we want to do is let people kind of decide for themselves and draw their own conclusions based on the knowledge they have. And so I always thought it was, it's a very sensitive topic. And in general, I would say that if there's like an AI service that says, this is a match and declares it as such, I think it's a little bit too bold and too 
Yeah. Yeah. It's too strong of a statement, especially because you're the expert. You're the person with the family photo. So you would know better than the software. Mm, maybe. <laughs> Not <laughs> always. But I'm thinking of I'm thinking of in sort of the general world, all these people that think that they have photographs of Abraham Lincoln, right? Okay. <laughs> and they they go so far as to measure the distances between the eyes and the mm. length of the mouth. And they do these comparisons and they're like, this is Abraham Lincoln. And you look at it and you go, that is so not Abraham Lincoln. I, again, love this project because you help to bring closure to the pain of this historic event where families were divided up. Some of my clients will show me big group portraits and they'll say, this is my grandfather and my grandmother. And I'll say, great. Well, who are the rest of the people? And they're like, well, they immigrated, but the rest of them didn't. It's heartbreaking to listen to those stories. So with what you're doing is not only trying to verify because there's no provenance relating to these photographs either for the most part, right? They're just random pictures donated to the Holocaust Museum or they come in family collections. That's part I'm not clear of, clear about. Uh, Yes. And in in some cases, there's there's also sort of these, I've seen this before, there's like museums that hand off collections to other museums or uh, yes, sort of tracing back the ownership of a lot of these photos. And so I think definitely there's individuals who are donating to the museums directly. And there's also, uh, what's another interesting thing I've seen is that there's uh, these smaller museums that are, let's say, for example, not even focused on on this topic, but they, they come across a collection that they think could be relevant to, let's say, a Holocaust museum, and they will then transfer those collections over. I've seen that before in a few cases. And so it's, there's definitely like a, you know, there's definitely individuals who are, who are who are donating, and then there's also other museums, institutions, and it's it's sort of a it's definitely an interesting mix of of sources. But yes, it's it's I, I don't know what the percentage breakdown is, but there's definitely a combination of of places where these photos are coming from. All right, so let's go through a search. Select a photo. Mm-hmm. You then pick one from your hard drive. Yes. If you just want to do the smaller set of images, you'll get results right away, which is what I did. Mm -hmm. And then if you sign up for a personal account, then you can search a half a million photos. Exactly. And that takes about 24 hours. Then you get a list of matches or possible matches with Mm -hmm. a degree to which they match. So hold on for just a minute. I'm going to pick another one of my photographs here. Sure. Just a random photo. Hopefully this is better than the one I selected. Oh, let's put my mom in there. We've been thinking about putting like an example search just on the site for like, just to, you know, so people could also just kind of preview what it, what it looks like. But like, for example, if you search for like photos of, of I'm trying to think of a good example of, of like a, of, I mean, there are pictures of like Steven Spielberg from like when he visited the museums. So if you, if you were to think, look for Steven Spielberg photos, they would show up in modern contemporary photos that the museum so happens to have from like the 1990s. But anyways, that's this. So what about photo format when you're doing this search? So I'm just trying right now to upload. It turns out it's a TIFF file and Uh, it's not doing too well. Yeah. Uh, It works best with JPEGs. Does it work with PNGs? It should work with PNGs and it also should work with GIFs and, or, you know, so those, those are GIF files. uh, And so 
I think those three formats are pretty, they should work most of the time. The other thing that the other sort of situations where things don't work as well is if like there's a partial face, like let's say, for example, someone is like off to the edge of, of a picture when that's the only face in the photo, it'll, it won't know how to proceed. But if let's say, for example, that's just one of like several faces, usually it'll, it'll get all the other faces and it should just work just fine. And then the other thing is the orientation of the photo. So if it's like rotated 90 degrees, it gets confused. I mean, those are things we can definitely improve, but yeah, for at least for today, that's so PDFs. Another is another thing people upload a lot and it doesn't, those don't work. We can, we were, we could definitely improve it to be able to use PDFs. It's just that, that doesn't unfortunately work today. But it's just, I think, what do I want to say? I love the project. I think it's what you're working on is only going to get better. I think if someone approaches this with a research method that says, here's how you can prove it, right? Mm -hmm. You need place, you need date, Mm -hmm. information on the person, so that you know that this person was this age in this time period when they were living here, then that helps you narrow down whether or not this is actually your person or not. Absolutely. And, and that's, yes, exactly. And we've, that has been, thankfully, there's been enough information out there with some of these photos where we can sort of say this is a likely plausible match. And there have been confirmed, match, like there's been confirmations that come from the, the actual family members themselves and the museums also they've been extremely helpful in fact the first match we found this is this is a person no one was looking for because unfortunately he was killed in Treblinka in the early 1940s and to the best of our knowledge he has no family to look for him his offspring were either killed as well or or he never had any children he was a young man when he was murdered and so for someone like that we were able to say okay well this person in, in this picture the, the, the photo in general says that it's from Yugoslavia from, or the former Yugoslavia from like 1940 or the early 1940s. And we know he was there during that time. And then we actually sent that one to the museum and just said, we, we believe this is this person, Nisam Kusorla is his name. And, you know, in this other group photo where he's not identified and just thought that, that you got, you should take a look. And they were able to confirm that the match and publish it. So it, that's, great. that's another, yeah. So the museums are very helpful as well. So I searched on this child photo of one of my, it's my uncle when he was a kid mm-hmm. and it came up with a, with a, the 0.73 match. And then when I click through, I get a group picture of Sophie Kimmelman poses for a group portrait with her closest friends. And mm. that's great. Cause there's a little boy with those ears. I know and for a fact that this is not an exact match for my mm-hmm. uncle, but just having that one name on this photo of Sophie Kimmelman anchors this photo to a time and place. And exactly. that's great. And then this is from the United States Holocaust Museum. And on when you get to the image page, you can download a copy, which is great. But you can also, they have a little button here that says, recognize someone, and they ask you to fill out a form. Mm-hmm. That's great. It's great. It's wonderful that they do that. And I also, wonderful. Yes, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. And it's, it's so helpful to have these museums, which are in, incredible work in not only helping to kind of enable all of these identifications, but also when photos come in to them directly, like 
digitizing the photos, maintaining them, preserving them. There's, there's all this other work that goes on behind the scenes, as, as, as I'm sure many of your listeners would know about or be aware of. And so, you know, the, the Number Sames project is really kind of like, it's kind of like a very specialized search on top of all of this incredible work that has already been done by, by these museums. And I should add one other thing that it just occurred to me that in terms of the, the matches, you know, it, I think so. And we have this FAQ, which is uh, growing by the day. But the one thing that's really, I would say, like a question that, that really comes up a lot that I think we, we probably could do a much better job sort of addressing is, is like, I think kind of what you were referring to. It's like, there's this match. It couldn't possibly be my family member because I know that they, you know, they weren't there. Yep. And I think one of the things with with those searches is that basically the way Never Names is designed is it's it's a best effort search, and it's kind of one of those things where there actually could be false positives, but there also could be false negatives. And that's the thing that we actually were trying to optimize for is the false negatives. Like we didn't want there to be. We basically took the the approach that even if the, that's why, for example, even if you search for someone and the scores are extremely low, like. 0.5 and below or something like that, we still wanted to show the top 10 best possible matches because in the event that there is possibly a match that's buried way down there, we wanted people to know about it. And sometimes it's actually been the case that the scores have been really low and there has been a real positive match, even from that sort of very low scoring set of, of potential matches. And so what we're trying to focus on is really kind of le- leaving no photograph unexamined, leaving no photograph un you know, sort of unlooked at. And so that's kind of why some of the quality of the results could actually be very low. But we're hoping that like, if it's you searching for like a needle in a haystack, we just want to make sure we look at everything, even if even if some of these these potential results seem completely obviously false or false matches. Right. So baldness will affect <laughs> the AI, glasses, yes. Yes. profiles, yeah. weight loss or gain, yep. injury, all of these things will affect how well the AI matches, but also the age of the person. So I find baby faces to be, they change a lot for the most part. Few of us they, look the same at that we did as a baby, that we do as yeah. a person, an adult. Yes, that's absolutely. That's one of the things that's another common reason why some of the results could not be as as helpful as they could be, like basically children under a certain age. And then another really big problem also is also just the photo quality, like the blurriness, not even necessarily the photo that that you have, but the photos that were already taken. And again, these are like historical sort of like photos from these, these collections. And unfortunately, you know, they're that's the sort of primary source. So if they're if they're blurry from like 1943, you know, really, I mean, there's all kinds of image processing techniques that could be done to kind of address some of that photo quality, you know, so that photo quality short shortfall. But it's kind of it's not the same as being able to kind of go back and have a better photo to look at. So we do find that blurry photos tend to be overrepresented in the in the search results because the blurry photos come across as sort of like a general face they match with like lots of other faces so that's so blurry photos tend to crop up if you see blurry photos in their search results it's quite likely a false match that that's kind of what we've discovered right so someone finds a match and then this is a great first step so you know you have relatives in the holocaust mm-hmm. and yes. then from who all the different groups from the holocaust then you upload your photo and search and you find some matches, then you have to prove it. So you have to, as we mentioned before, make sure that your relative was in the same place, the same time, the same age as the people that were in the photograph. Exactly. And then possibly 
you have a match. But you can also reach out through the links of recognize this person and fill out the form. And perhaps other people have already written in Mm -hmm. and maybe you end up with more matches. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, we've seen like, for example, matches where we, we brought them to the museum and then they will actually kind of do almost the, the, the mirror image of that where they will reach out to the person who donated the photo and say, we think we found other people in this photo because of some research we're doing. Could you help us confirm these? And they kind of go through a similar process, but it's basically the museum reaching out to the donor instead of the other way around or something like that. But yes, that those are, they've been extremely helpful in kind of doing like the sort of finishing steps to kind of confirm one way or the other. Have you found any, any of your relatives? I, so very recently, about two weeks ago, there was a family photo that we have of my grandfather that we, that I used to search with. And we discovered a, a match that was of somebody who was standing next to my grandfather. And in both photos, the one that I have and the photo that came up in their search results, that person is unidentified. And my grandfather passed away a number of years ago. And this is a a photo that my grandmother has right now. She's 92 years old and she lives in New York. And so what we're going to try to do is actually turn the photo over and see if there's any other information on there about this person. It could be my grandfather's relative or it could be my grandfather's friend. But nonetheless, like we did find a match and it is from our own photo, uh, from our own family photo collection. We're just still trying to figure out, you know, who is this person? But there was a match. Mm, Gives me chills. Yeah, it definitely gives me chills. Uh, All right. Perfect world, endless amounts of money, endless amounts of help. What's the next step for this? What would you what would you like to see this as in, say, a couple of years when the technology is even better than it is now? I think there's a lot of different directions it could go in. One of the things that we're really hoping for is that in, let's say, a couple of years from now, that the, let's say that the 60% plus of the, of the faces that are unidentified across these millions of photos, we're hoping to get that number, you know, way down so that there's only a smaller percentage of, of people left unidentified. So that would be one, one goal that we're really working towards. The other one would be we're, so we're actually partnering with schools right now to start going through these backlog of matches that we have where what we're doing is we're taking a photo, we're taking all the photos we have right now and comparing them with all the other photos we have. And what we're finding is there's all these potential matches in that, from that process. But the problem is, and I've actually done this with, let's say this actually a well-known collection called the Auschwitz album. It's, it's only about a hundred some odd photos, but there's probably something like almost a thousand faces across all of those photos. And going through all of the matches we found or potential matches and verifying, okay, this is a real match. This is not a real match. That takes a lot of time. So we're partnering with schools to kind of help us with this project where students can kind of also get involved and say, this is a real match. This is not a real match. We're hoping that, you know, we we can find some other really helpful discoveries. People could find answers to family mysteries that they never thought possibly could be, could be solved. Like we have, actually, this is true for our own family. There's a, a relative of ours, or my grand, grandmother's brother, who we know he was killed. There are two stories about how that happened, and we're trying to figure out exactly what actually happened to him. And I think this is a very common story for people who lost family in World War II and the Holocaust. It's just, you know that the person was killed, but you don't know. There's all these gaps in this person's story. And these photos could potentially help families at a much larger scale find answers to these questions that they might have. Fantastic project. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's lovely. 
It's lovely to see this. There's so many projects like this that could be done. And this one has a real feel good, you know, sense to it. Daniel, I want to thank you so much for being on The Photo Detective. Thank you so much, Maureen. It's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media, leave me a rating and a review. And if you know of a friend or family member who's also interested in family photographs, share this episode with them too. See you next time. I'm thrilled to be offering something new. Photo Investigations. These collaborative one-on-one sessions look at your family photos. You and I meet to discuss your mystery images and find out how each clue and hint might contribute to your family history. And trust me, these images can reveal so much in your research. I have decades of experience in the photo, genealogy, and history industries. This is your chance to learn from me and discover the stories in your family images. You can find out more by going to MaureenTaylor.com and clicking on Family Photo Investigations.